Turn your Bibles just real quick to John chapter 13. It's just a little different than what I had prepared, but it, it's, I, I believe it's the Lord. And, and thanks for trusting me. Your trust in God needs to be bigger than your trust in me. treat third last year or two years ago or three years ago or four years ago you've treated them wrong this is not business as usual this is not like every other election this and this is not like any other history in all of history and what happens this week it's gonna history amazing way I was studying this week, John 12 through 17, about Jesus washing the disciples' feet every time. But I brought in the con, what Jesus was doing, not, or not what Jesus was doing, but when he was doing it. Jesus delivers this amazing act of love and humility, but he also delivers a lot of really good truth, but he does it knowing the Bible says he does it knowing that the time had come. He knew that he, having fully realized who he was, he knew that he was from God, and he knew that he was returning to God. And in that place of going, I am God. In that place, he took off his robe, tied a towel, and served. He knew that history would be changed the next day. And it was. He, not, just, not, not just political history, not just cultural history. I mean, spiritual history. The veil tore. Do you realize that? You know what the veil, the veil is not like this. The veil was like inches thick. And no one touched it. And it tore. And the earth shook. And the sun went dark. Are you going to tell me that but I'll tell you what, no one believed him, except for Mary, right, Ben? Except for Mary Bethany, Ben shared at home group on Friday. That's probably why I'm all weepy. But no one believed, he tried to tell people, I'm, I'm gonna go, the son of man's gonna be glorified, I'm gonna get hung on a tree, you're gonna see, I have to go up, and everybody's like, uh-huh, mm-hmm, yeah. When are we gonna get our mansions? Who are we going to be in charge of in the kingdom? Uh, great, yeah, 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 yeah. We, we understand, whatever, Jesus. Or they'd say, surely you're not going to die because they've been praying for Messiah to come for a long time. And now he's here, so surely he's not going to die. He's going to deliver him from Rome. He's going to deliver him from religious oppression under the Jewish leaders. Surely he's not going to die. And he's like, no, I'm going to die. And they're like, no, Lord. And they start rebuking him. And Mary Bethany hears him. That was inference. Sorry, I need to say that. The Bible doesn't say that he told Mary of Bethany. We infer. Talk to Ben. And seven months after that conversation, she anoints him with oil worth more than she'll ever make in her entire life. She pours it out over him to prepare him for his burial because she believed him. 
But Jesus had one moment with his disciples before history would change. He knew. We don't know when history is going to change. It changes overnight. Been said on Friday in World War I, it started with the assassination of one person. And within one month, the world was at war. In World War II, it started with one overnight invasion. And then the war started. There was fi- everything was fine. And then the sun went down and the sun went up and everything was not fine anymore. It happened in one, in, in one moment. Things can change in a moment. We have to be prepared for the moment of change. I'm not trying to prophesy some sort of thing like that this week. I'm just saying this is a historic week. And if we treat it like it's not, if you go on saying, oh, if I just think of business as usual, I just want to get back to normal. I don't want to see so many masks. I don't want to do everything on Zoom. I don't want to do, just stop fighting all that and look higher. Look above the Paul Wyatt says, get the balcony view. Go upstairs and look out and go, oh, this is much bigger than what I'm seeing. In that, in that vein and in that regard, I went, Jesus, what did you tell everybody? when you knew that it was going to be a big weekend. And so you read John 13. He tells them a lot of things, but it's most importantly is, what did he start with? And he started with service. I don't know why. It seemed to me that he would have started with like a motivational speech. Or that they would, or he would have started with, I mean, with some sort of Something to get somebody right. How many of you played sports, right? So Jesus comes in, he puts on smoke on the water. Dun, 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 dun. And you just start getting pumped up because you want to psych people up because they're going to need, you need it. It works. Smoke on the water is actually our victory song. We listen to other stuff, stuff you shouldn't listen to before. But you get, you think, Jesus, why aren't you, why aren't you getting everybody like, hey, don't let your faith fail. Tomorrow things are going to be tough. You don't believe me, but and, and why don't you start just pounding and pounding and pounding until they go, he's probably serious. We should probably, and then they rally behind it. He doesn't do that at all. Why? Why did he choose his last time to be with his disciples on earth but before, you know, he was with them again after the resurrection. Why did he choose his last time to serve? trust that you guys have read the text. I'm just going to sum up real quick. It's Thursday evening, the Passion Week. It's Thursday evening. They have to meet in secret. People are trying to kill Jesus. They've been trying to get after him. The Pharisees, the, set, everybody's, the religious leaders have all been plotting to capture him, plotting to catch him in some sort of lie. They've been trying to set him up to lie. And so two of the disciples get sent ahead to make arrangements to have a dinner in secret. And so they all get there. They've all been arguing. We know from, I believe it's the book of Luke, that they've been arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. But you know what? I don't fault them because we'd probably be doing the same thing. They're arguing, and they get there, and they're all reclining around the table, but they're meeting in secret, so there's no host. So no one was there to take their sandals off and wash their feet. So they're all actually sitting around the table, and an in a socially unacceptable manner, okay? 
It's not socially acceptable to be sitting there with your shoes on and dirty feet because they're not sitting in chairs. They're reclining. They lean, lean against each other and, you know, that's how they sit. And so that's when Jesus, fully realizing who he was, he gets up, he takes a towel, and he starts washing their feet. Peter looks at him and says, Jesus, are you going to wash my feet? Like he, like, and you see right there that foot washing was demeaning. It was for the lowest paid helper, probably the youngest person in the house with the least experience serving and making food would be the foot washer. And you work your way up through the ranks. Peter's like, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. And that sentence says it all. Lord, if I address you as Lord, you're not a foot washer. Jesus goes, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. Peter's like, then give me a bath. Wash me from my head to my feet. And he goes, no, 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 Peter, you're already clean. You only need to have your feet washed. Do you guys realize what he's saying here? He's saying, Peter, not only am I going to wash your feet so that you're socially acceptable to come sit next to me here at dinner, because right now what we're doing is embarrassing. So we're not supposed to be like this. Everyone's arguing, and no one wants to stoop and wash, so I'm going to show you. So not only am I going to make you socially acceptable to sit next to me, but I'm actually going to wash you of all the pride that's going to keep you from breaking out in the kingdom to do the work. To do the work that you're going to need to do starting the day after tomorrow. Peter didn't understand. Jesus said, you're already clean because you believe in me. Everyone in this room, everyone in the sound of my voice, you're listening online, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, if you confess in your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you've already been clean, you've had the bath. But every once in a while, you gotta have your feet washed still because your feet will get dirty. So, you could be like the other disciples, you're gonna sit around with your arms closed and let pride well up and say, yeah, that ain't my job. Or you can be like Jesus. Take off your robe and put on a towel and go low. And in doing that, he not only, like the word says, loved them to the last or showed them the full extent of his love, but he also started to wipe away pride that was in them. We know it was there. Pride is the largest barrier to breakthrough that exists. It's the root of every sin, if I may be so bold. It was the original sin. Lucifer and heaven, I can do this better. Pride. It's still at the root of every sin. It will get in the way. And Jesus went, you're not gonna be able to do what you need to do with that. So the most important thing that he could do when history was about to be changed was to demonstrate humility. What can we learn and apply? Because if we don't apply it, the Bible actually says, Sloan, I apologize, man. I'm all over here probably. Okay, sorry. Yeah, thank you, Sloan. The Bible actually says, Jesus himself said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and do what? Do it. Obey it. Follow it. Depends on what translation you have. 
So the inverse is true. Not blessed are those who hear the word of God and don't follow it or don't obey it. We have to follow the example of Jesus. We have to go low. We have to live humbly. We have to vomit out pride. Don't ever swallow your pride. It's the stupidest saying I've ever heard. Swallow your pride, just save it for later. Vomit out your pride. Purge it. The imagery is purposeful. I hate vomit. In my house, I do everything but vomit with the kid. I'm kidding. I'm not kidding you. Blood, poop, doesn't matter. Dead animals, live animals, I'll take care of it all. When the vomit happens, Kaylee's up. That is not an exaggeration. <laughs> but it's, the imagery is on purpose. Pride has to be extinguished. Here's what we'll, here's what we'll wrap it around. Because I need, the, this has to be applicable to today. We have to like, Lord, we read this passage. Yeah, the election's coming up. What do we do? Yeah, and you should. This week should, be, should involve less eating than last week did. Unless you fasted last week. This, this week, we have to fast. And fasting does not mean putting down your social media. I'm sorry, but that is the weakest excuse I've ever heard for fasting. If it's done in place of not eating. Stop cheapening the word. If you want to put down social media, I, yes. You should put it down. For, for a time, you know, I'm going to put it down for a month or whatever. You should do that, but don't call it fasting. Fasting is voluntary weakness, and if you're voluntary weak by putting down social media, then you've put too much of your strength in social media. I wasn't even going to talk about it. I just, sorry. Not sorry I said it. Sorry I got off topic. Fasting is important. Praying. Come down to the Capitol. Take a vacation day off of work. This election will change the course of history for you, for your children, for your grandchildren. I had thought about that. This Zeb's like, what did he ask? Oh, dad, when's the next blue moon going to be? And I'm like, I don't know, but I, cause I don't know how often, but I know it's not very often as the last one was in the forties or something. And I was like, I was like, you'll probably be like a grandpa, great grandpa that I was like, oh my gosh. Like if Jesus hasn't come back, I'm gone. And I was like, I have to start thinking about my grandkids. My kids are eight, five, and two. They are grandkids. <laughs> so we cannot treat these next few days like Jesus. Yes, there should be fasting. There should be praying. There should be, there should be worship. There should be sobriety. There should be all of these things. But I can't get away from looking at how Jesus handled a similar situation. We cannot go back to old covenant ways of thinking where you run away from lepers because if you touch them, you become unclean. We have to have new covenant thinking where you touch a leper and they become clean because of what you carry. And you have to take that boldness, that courage, and that faith into the next few days. I'm not just talking about COVID. I am talking about that, by the way. But I'm not just talking about that. Don't let fear stop you from doing what the Lord's calling you to do. We're designed to interact with people. And that's what Jesus shows us here. 
We're designed to be among them. We're designed to love them. We're designed to serve each other. Some of you have acts of service as your love language. That's mine. How many of you acts of service is like top one or two? Anybody in here? Yeah, a few of you. You know, we, I love serving people. I also love to be served. But even if it's not your love language, it's still a general call to serve. Okay, when we do premarital counseling, it's a, you know, or even marital counseling, somebody's like, the way he's like, I don't know, I just don't feel like he loves me. And you're like, are you kidding me? I get up and I make the bed for you. And I get up and I make breakfast for you. And I get up and I'm like, well, sweetheart, what's your, what's your love language? He's like, physical touch and words of affirmation. Well, what's your love language? Acts of service. Okay. We've just figured it out. You're loving her the way that you feel loved and not the way that she feels loved, right? You guys know how this works. So the, the three things I want to take away from this that I think we can apply right now to today that will help us, and that will help us help other people. Are the, the first thing is we need to love by serving. Jesus said, having loved his disciples or his friends to the very last, he washed their feet. When Jesus grabbed the towel, he was moved by love. That was his, that was his main motivation. We know from scriptures, loving kindness leads us to repentance. It's not criti his critical judgments that leave, lead us to repentance. It's not your critical judgments that lead others to repentance. It's not you pointing out the bad in them. It's not us pointing the finger and go, look at you, how could you? That doesn't lead people to repentance. His loving kindness does. The second thing is that we lead by serving. First thing is you love by serving. The second thing is you lead by serving. Jesus was a leader. Every single person in the sound of my voice is a leader in some respect. Whether you're a leader politically, you're a leader at your job, maybe you're the boss, the CEO, a manager, something like that. Maybe you're a leader in the church. Maybe you're a leader in your home. You're a parent. Maybe you're a leader because you're a believer and people around you during the week are not. Therefore, you've been commissioned to lead in a regard. Don't overlook that. You can lead by serving. Servant leaders are the most effective leaders. Any good leader will tell you that. Anyone who's been under a good leader who is a servant leader will tell you the best leaders are servant leaders. The ones that aren't afraid to do what they're saying, what they're telling you to do, and the ones that won't stand up and tell you to do something unless they've already done it or are willing to do it themselves alongside you. The one who's the one who's not afraid to pick up a broom, the one who's not afraid to pick up trash, the one who's not afraid to plunge a toilet, right? These are servant leaders. You're not, we're not above a menial task. Jesus was not above the menial task of washing his disciples' feet. The Bible says to humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and then he will lift you up. It also says that God opposes the proud. I've studied a lot about pride and humility, so I'm not gonna go into all of the verses. <laughs> but I trust me, what this word teaches is pride bad, humility good. <laughs> you also need to know, I, I remember one thing in particular that my pastor said when I was very young. So when I was young, I didn't listen. You know, I was coloring or whatever. <laughs> I don't remember what I was doing. But uh, it, if I was listening, it didn't soak in or retain as much very well. But I remember writing something down in the notes in the back of my Bible one time. And then I found that Bible. I gave that Bible away a couple years ago. But I looked, I glanced through it real quick, looking for offering, you know, that I forgot in there. And um, 
kidding. And uh, in the back, it said one sentence in the notepad. You know what it said? People watch you. It, I, I cannot explain it to you. And it, I remember where I was sitting in the church. I remember looking at the pastor. It was a much larger church. So I was sitting in the back. I remember looking at him. I remember hit a big old pulpit, right? And, and he, go, he goes, people watch you. He said that, and it was like the Lord just grabbed my, you know, you grab your kid's face and look at, so they can look at you. It's like the Lord grabbed my face and psh, people watch you. And I wrote it down. And then that's it. I don't remember anything else, right? But I, looked, I was like, if we think that we're not setting an example just when we go to the store, when we're pumping gas, when we're driving, when we're checking our mail, we're wrong. People watch you. You watch people. We people watch for fun. People watch you. So that was number two, lead by serving. And number three, leave by serving. What do I mean by that? Servant leaders leave a legacy of humility to those who they have led, to those who have watched them, to those who they have loved, to those who follow them. Servant leaders leave an example to follow. Servant leaders leave a good taste in your mouth. Serving, going low, taking the low road, bathing yourself in humility will always end well for you. And it will always end well for those who you've left a legacy for. So whoever you're, so whether that's you're just a leader because you're a believer among a lost and dying world, or you're a leader at work, or you're a leader in the church, or you're a leader in your home, which is one of the most important places to be a leader, if not the most important place to be a leader, a father and mother, you are leaving a legacy to your children. Todd and Sarah Adams told me a month or two ago a story where they had a realization, forgive me if I'm butchering the story, they had a realization at some point that they were not raising boys and girls. They were raising men and women. Did I get that right? You're with Sloan, you're, we're not raising a boy. We're raising a man. That is a realization of leaving a legacy, knowing that they will follow in your footsteps because it's what they've seen. So if we show them selfishness, being above menial, menial tasks, not willing to love when it hurts, not willing to sacrifice, then that is exactly what they will become and let, until someone comes into their life and shakes them up or the Holy Spirit radically slaps them in the face, the only example, the best example that they've had in their life of a leader would be a selfish one. So realize that as you go out these next two days and everything that you do, in your home, out of your home, on your computer, on your phone, I don't care where you are, who you're talking to, it doesn't matter. People watch you, you're a leader, and you can serve. And by serving, you'll love by serving, you'll lead by serving, and you'll leave by serving. There's going to be opportunities that you're going to have in the coming days, weeks, and months to respond to difficult situations. Maybe it's confrontation. 
maybe it's just a difficult situation in your house that has nothing to do with politics or COVID or anything like that. It's just a relationship, a marital issue. You're gonna have a lot of opportunities to respond. And I encourage you, if you walk away with nothing else today, which this has been a full buffet this morning, if I didn't even preach, it was already a full buffet. You're probably just gluttony. We need to preach about gluttony. You ate too much. Thank God that the kingdom is the only place where the more you eat, the more you get hungry, right? That you can't ever get full. But if you leave here with nothing else today, leave here knowing that the way to respond is by service and humility. Don't respond in selfishness. Don't respond in fear. Those are easy. Anybody can respond in selfishness and fear. It's the flesh's default. Your flesh's default is fear. Your flesh's default is, is selfishness, like looking out for number one, right? That's your flesh's default is always just to make yourself look, well, what if they think that I'm not smart? You know how many people think I'm not smart? Don't raise your hand. What if that, but, but I'm right. They need to know that I didn't do that. No, they don't. Does God know that you didn't do it? Who cares what they say about you? Well, if they know that I, they, if they know I'm a Republican, they might not. They don't make signs big enough for my yard. I don't say that in pride. Actually, I say it in humility because I live in, on Democrat Row. All right. Would you stand this morning? God is so good to us, and he has given us everything we need for the next three days, for the next three weeks, for the next three years, for the next three decades, and until he comes back. We have everything we need. I encourage you right now to think of a specific situation where you can go low. If we don't prepare our minds ahead of time, be transformed by that renewing of your mind so that you're able to test and approve what is what is good, what is righteous, right? You, you have to be able to prepare your mind ahead of time so that when you get squeezed, good stuff comes out. You have to prepare your mind ahead of time to react. You can't, you can't just say, oh, if I just ignore it, it'll go away. If I just pretend that it's business as usual, it'll be business as usual. It's not how it works. We have to prepare our minds ahead of time. So I, I just encourage you to think about an opportunity whether it's in a relationship or a work, a work thing or a thing at home with a, a wife or a husband or with your kid where you can go low, where you can take the towel and wash feet. You might even just wash feet. When I left my, have I told this story here? When I left my church in California, the last, the last thing message I preached, like the day before the Lord said, I want you to wash all of your elders' feet. We had a lot of elders too and two services. And I was like, Lord, this is gonna look so stupid. <laughs> he told me to do it in front of the whole church. It took like 25 minutes. 
I'm like, Lord, this, look, this actually looks prideful. It looks like I'm saying, look what I'm doing. Or what I'm telling him all the stuff that he looks like. And the Lord's like, are you done? I'm not going to say anything else. Man, I did it. I've never, never, ever read John 13 the same way. So go wash somebody's feet. Open your hands. Lord, we want every ounce of humility available. We know that your word tells us to humble ourselves. So we're not asking for humility. We're asking for help in humbling ourselves. Father, we see here that your reaction to what was going on in a history-changing week was to serve and love. We see that your reaction was to teach about prayer, to teach about the Holy Spirit, and to, and to build faith. But Lord, first thing you did was serve and go low. The first thing you did was love. It was the last thing you did here too. It characterized your every move. Thank you for showing us such a perfect example to follow. And Father, I pray that you give every person with their hands out. If you're listening online, I don't care where you're at, put your hands out. Don't be embarrassed that you're sitting on your couch or that you're sitting in the bathroom or that you're sitting in your car. It doesn't matter. Just put your hands out. You're actively asking the Lord for every good thing that he wants to give you. And we're asking right now, Lord, we're asking for a heart that loves service we're asking for help in humbling ourselves before you so that you'll lift us up. And Father, we're asking for courage, especially for the next three days, to fast, to pray, to love, to weep, to roar. Father God, to open our mouths where previously they've been closed and to close our mouths where we've opened them and it hasn't been you. Father, give us ears to hear what you're saying so we can open our mouths and repeat it. Give us eyes to see what you're doing so we can strap on our shoes and go repeat it. Father, we need grace, power. But Lord, once we have it, Father, get, just break off that spirit that says, oh, you're not ready, or, or just wait until you're a little more ready, or wait until you have a little more experience, or wait until every person you lay hands on gets healed before you go just pray for strangers, or wait until, wait until every person you've been praying for just calls you and miraculously got saved before you start sharing the gospel with others. No, you'll never be ready. That won't happen. Just start. Father, I break off the lie of, of when I'm ready. The naked demon-possessed tomb sleeper. He got delivered of demons and they put some clothes on him and they marked him an evangelist. Go tell everyone what the Lord has done for you. That guy wasn't ready, but he was ready. You're ready when God says you're ready. Father, I pray for courage this morning. Courage, courage, courage. Pray for joy, Lord, as the joy of the Lord is our strength. I pray for a breaking off of fear. Father, I pray for a breaking off of the lie, that fear that's been rooted in us that we call love or wisdom or maturity. 
Father, call it what it is. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Convict our hearts. We want righteousness. We want holiness. We don't want any separation. Fully engaged with what you're saying and doing in the earth, Lord. We can change things because we have you. Prayer can change things because we're partnering with heaven. Father, I'm going to tout to you right now by faith. I'm going to thank you in advance, God, for landslide victories for life, pro-Israel, pro, Lord, pro-marriage and pro-biblical marriage and pro-religious freedom. I'm thanking you right now for landslide victories in every sector of our governments, local, state, federal, at the county level, God. I'm thanking you, Father, for the prayer that we've prayed, repent and remove. Or, or remove, Father, that those that are, that are anti-Israel, that anti-Semitic comments or anti-Semitic positions in their heart, Father God, those that are anti-life, that, that support the murdering of unborn babies, Father, that those that are, that are trying to oppress the church, Father, those that are trying to twist and pervert the Bible's view on marriage and gender and relationship and all these things, Father, repent. We say repent. Repent, come to Jesus, see the truth. Repent, repent. Father God, if they reject repentance, then we pray, remove in the name of Jesus. Remove in the name, and then, and then they can repent. But remove them first from influence. Repent or remove. Father God, we need you. We sung it this morning. We need you. Lord, let us never forget Maybe one of the greatest acts of pride to think that we don't need the Lord. Lord, we need you in every area of our lives all the time. Because we're lost without you.